Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is Sharon Smith, and this is Iambic Poetry Podcast presents Real Poetry. I am here with my two co-hosts, Marvin and Auntie Vice. Say hello to everyone. Hey. What up? And once again, we have returning guests. We have Danielle. Hi. Happy to be back. Welcome back. It's great to have you back. (laughs) So. Thank you, Daniel, for coming back onto the show. And this time, we're doing something different. So this is going to be our second movie that we have done of Shakespeare, Shakespeare yeah. Month. Yes. Modernized. We are now watching all Shakespeare movies that are modernized. So the last one we did see was... I just forgot what it was called. Oh, it was oh. called Oh. <laughs> oh, it was called Oh. Oh. <laughs> Oh, which basically was the modernization of Othello. This one we're doing now is called 10 Things I Hate About You, which is the modernization version of Taming of the Shrew. Best 90s movie ever, Julia Styles. I love you. This one had Julia Styles. It had actually a again. good star ca- all star cast. Again, yes, actually, it's funny. This one had Julia Styles again. Mm-hmm. It also had, um, what's his name? Um, Andrew Key, um, Andrew Keegan, again, in this movie, but it also had some new hard hitters on this, which was Heath Ledger, um, um, Joseph Gordon Levitt, uh, David um, Kruthoff, and Gabriel Union. This yeah. movie was done in 1999, March of 1999. Go figure. Yes, yes. Never mind. Never mind. Ignore me. And it doesn't crazy- matter. It doesn't matter. It's Julia Stiles. I loved it. <laughs> and crazy thing about it, they have once again, 10 years later, they made a television series from Disney on this movie. Yeah, it was trash. What? It didn't matter. I never yeah. saw it. Okay. Go and That's get to see it. So, once again, so this movie here, the, the plot of this movie is Kat Strafford, which is Julia Stiles' character, is a beautiful, smart, and quite abrasive of the most most of her fellow teens, meaning she doesn't attract many boys. Unfortunately, for for her younger sister, Bianca, house rules say that she can't date until Kat has a boyfriend. So strings are pulled to set the Dow damsel up for a romance. Soon, soon Kat crosses path with a handsome new arrival, Patrick um, Verona. Will Kat let her guard down enough to fall for uh, effortlessly charming Patrick. This movie was directed by Gil um, Junger. His story is a William Shakespeare story, Tamer the Shrew, and it was all done in, you guessed it, Seattle, Washington. I thought, Auntie Vice thought it was Portland, but it is Seattle, no. Washington. <laughs> it was uh, Portland before it was Portland, Seattle. Exactly, exactly. In the Upper Ridge neighborhood, probably. Because <laughs> it was Seattle. It's where grunge b- was born. I'm going to geek out over this for days. I hope you're happy with yourself. I've been listening to grunge for like a solid four days because of this movie. Really? Oh, hell yeah. So if that's the case, for people, that, so for we're going to basically have thoughts. Marvin, since you're right now hype, what do you think about 10 Things I Hate About You? 
Oh, because I'm on the hype train right now. We got to start. I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. I think it's no surprise that I loved this movie. I watched it when I was like really young. And for the longest time, when I was growing up before I hit high school, this movie kind of set for me what I thought high school was going to be like. And I was severely disappointed that it wasn't like that. Like severely disappointed, but it's okay. Not really. It's not okay, but it's okay. I grew up semi-okay. Um, it's awesome though because like after watching O and then rewatching this, I am happy to say that Julia Stiles is still pretty much a really fiercely independent character, more so in this movie compared to O, purely because obviously with the subject matter, with what it's based on, her character has a lot more oomph in her. She's she displays a lot more urgency in her actions. And it's really great seeing this movie after we've known how much, how talented JGL was and obviously how talented and how much of an icon Heath Ledger has become with the Joker. Like it was just, it's a fun little time capsule to look at just watching them in their fresh baby face youth days when they were just starting out. It was really great. And then I think like we all heard me just geek out over it really got me in my uh, Nirvana and Mud Honey date phase right now. I just finished listening to Mud Honey while I was working. If my boss hears this, I swear to God, I was listening to you all at meeting. I was not listening to Mud Honey. <laughs> Artifice. What do you think about 10 things I hate about you? I thought it was actually a pretty solid adaptation. Um Taming of the Shrew has always been one of my favorites just because of the banter and the wordplay. The original play is fantastic for that. Um, so with this one, they, they managed to keep a lot of that, including some of the original lines from the play they managed to work in, which, mm-hmm. was, which was cute. Uh, this one makes sense to set in a high school. And between this and O and some of the, and Romeo and Juliet, some of the other we've looked at i'm beginning to think there might be a reason you could make an argument that shakespeare has like his sweet valley high collection for, for <laughs> high school kids oh you said are you saying he's more the john Hughes of that time uh, i'm just wondering <laughs> if you could co- get a collection of shakespearean plays that appeal to like that romantic high school girl and it's just like you know they're little sweet valley high ones, um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed this. This was this was well done. I mean, some of the naming was a little too on the nose. Padua High, they have uh, Verona is um, one of the guys' last names, mm-hmm. and that type of stuff just makes me groan. Like they didn't need to be that on the nose with the adaptation. Um, I will give them props. They actually cast people that looked like they could be in high school, which in the nineties was. Um, not always a thing. Not always yeah, a thing. You yeah. had people who could have kids in high school playing high school kids. So I'm looking I mean, at you, yeah. 90210. <laughs> well, I mean, also look at O when we were watching it. Josh right. Hartnett, like during the time, I refused yeah. to believe he was a high school student. Like right. at that time, like they considered him like a heartthrob. Yeah. Uh-uh. No. And well, like Gabrielle Union still looks like she's fresh off the Mickey Mouse Club. I mean, she's so young. Oh, my God. Um it was very cute. And then, and I mean, it's nice to, uh, you know, you've seen these actors' careers unfold. Like mm-hmm. this scene where Heath Ledger is singing to her in the in the high school football stands is very, um, 
evocative of his joke as, of his Joker performance. You're like, okay, I can see where he developed this into the Joker character and stuff. So yeah, it it was a fun movie. It was cute. Um, you know, good old you know, back to the flashbacks and and these types of movies. This came out way after I was out of high school. Um, Sharon and I realized today, June this year will be my thirtieth high school um, reunion. So, and he's at twenty six. So it's been it's been a minute since I've been in high school. But it was movies like these that um, really make high school look a lot more fun than it ever was. Danielle, what did you think about? 10 things I hate about you. OMG. Okay, it was so nice to revisit it. Um, I saw it like similar to what Marvin shared, like right before high school was when it came out for me. And so, yeah, it, it really set the tone or the expectations or just, I don't know, some of the possibilities of what high school would be like. And um, definitely a lot of like the humor and the jokes that they make uh, during the movie. I remember kind of like repeating those or making those with my friends or referring to those at the time and like thinking that was so funny. And like, that was just like the height of it. And um, obviously young Heath Ledger. Oh my goodness. He was just absolutely like gorgeous, like total celebrity crush of the time. And he was in other things around that time too, you know, with the longer hair and he was just looking really like just, um, you know, I thought very attractive. I still think that when I was seeing it, I was like, wow, he's still really cute. So um, it was it was funny. It was fun. And it was so cool to revisit that and to kind of re-experience those like excitement and the, and the craziness of that like age and that like time um, to really like think about that again. And so um, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, I think I agree with what Antipa shared. Some of it as an adult looking back. Yeah, it's pretty on the nose on some things. And I also noticed more of the Shakespearean elements, if you will, now that I'm older and more literarily minded than I was when I first watched it. So there were more things to appreciate in a way and also more things to find it just slightly cringy about it. But all in all, I think I have a sentimental connection to the movie. So I cannot be unbiased when talking about it <laughs> because it was such a favorite of uh, what I was that age. <laughs> And I just got to give props to the guy who played the English teacher. He was oh, fantastic. Name, so, My new favorite character. So, <laughs> so his, so his, so his name is um, Daryl Chill Mitchell. He actually he's played in several movies. Uh, he's um, a lot of black movies and stuff. He's played in. Um, he played in. Um, uh, fr- not Friday. He played in. Um, uh, House Party. He played in House Party mm-hmm. and several other movies. But unfortunately. In 2006, I mean, in 2002, he got in a motorcycle accident. So he's now mm. con- now confined to a, a wheelchair. But he still yeah. is. But he still is all. Um, he did. A, he did. Um, I, oh, now. Oh, he's in the new um, NCIS New Orleans as their um, as their um, tech in his wheelchair and stuff. So, yeah. So, yeah, you can still find mm-hmm. more about him. And, um, used to, his name is is, is Daryl Chill Mitchell because he used to be part of a rap group. So, Chill was his rap name. So, yeah. So, yeah. That's also a very 90s uh, hip hop yeah. name. I got to say this right yeah. now. Yeah. That's pretty 90s. But, yeah, he's still, still funny. Yeah. Still, still interesting seeing him <laughs> do stuff in <laughs> when he was four. 
And that- Tron recognized him right away because he comes on the screen and he's like, oh, dude, this was made when he was still walking. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I know. I said it. I was like, I'm going to call that out. I, I, I looked for it. I'm like, you know what? Okay, here's the thing, though. I got to say this right now. This movie right. holds up. This movie still holds up really well. It does. In 2021 does. compared to Ooh. O. Like, if there, if I was like to like sit here and put them side by side, if I looked at O, I was like, dude, bullshit. There's like no, like not even an adult, like no teenager in their right mind will fall for this bullshit. Mm-hmm. But if I looked at uh, 10 things I hate about you, everything, like there are certain scenes where I'm just looking at it and looking at it as an adult. And I was like, this shit totally happens now. Like this yeah. shit literally happens now. Like um, when Joey pays Patrick to try to tame quote unquote cat. Yeah. And I'm just going to, I remember as a kid going, who the fuck would pay someone that much money just to try to sleep with a woman. Then I'm looking at shit with Matt Gates right now. And just, yeah, that was $300 <laughs> too. Yeah. Three, well, here's the crazier thing. $300 in the nineties. Dude, motherfucker, right. you minimum wage in the 90s was like $4. Four mm-hmm. fucking dollars. $300 is still a lot now, but back then at $4 minimum wage in high school, what fuck that. There was not <laughs> that you might as well have been giving me $1000 or some shit. <laughs> and he had it. So, I mean, that's not surprising. Yeah. Um so this movie so this movie it did hold up I had a few things that I've had a few things that I have seen the movie. I didn't see old before. And when I saw this, I was like, Oh, okay. So this is what they're, tr- this was pre before, um, she went to do, um, uh, before, um, Julia Stiles went to do, Oh, so it was actually surprising because this was done in 1999 and then O was done in 2000 and 2001. Yeah. So you this see like the, a- She's been in three Shakespearean-based movies, apparently. What's the third one? It I forgot what it's called, but it's like it's based on Hamlet. Oh, okay. Um, well, we're got to find that one out. <laughs> it's uh, okay. I'm okay with watching more Julia Styles. You're not going to hear me complain about that. <laughs> but um, seeing this movie again, it's it's still funny. I mean, yeah, I did see a lot of um, Heath Ledger. Uh, it was this is actually interesting because this was actually Heath Ledger's first movie film, American film that he's actually was in. So finding out that this was Heath Ledger's first film in America, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of interesting how far he went to make this thing work for him. It actually worked for him. Yeah. And from all from all the other things that he was that he's been he's going to be doing later, it, this was actually an interesting take of him trying to you know still be the big guy, try to try to be the you know trying to be the the bad boy of the group and everything. Uh, I, but my mostly ideal person I was looking at was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Him mm-hmm. and then also Daniel. Um, those two played together. It was, I mean, because Daniel played, you know, he's he's the star of numbers that happened in 2000, you know, later on. But just seeing Joseph um, Gordon-Levitt and just seeing how he was before he he popped off the way he is now, it's it's. it's he, he's he's not changed much, you know. He's got a little mm-hmm. older, but he's still that same type of person. And then I was like, I could see him. He's, he has star. He has star quality. He's already star quality. So yeah, yeah. that's one thing that made me more. So um, we can either go chronological, or we can just find good parts we like and then talk about those. Which one would y'all want to do? Because I know y'all seen this before, so y'all got nostalgia up the yin yang. So I, I hadn't <laughs> seen it before. Well, okay. Oh, so you it's haven't just me and seen Danielle it. who's seen it already. 
But I mean, this came out when I was in grad school, so it guaranteed I didn't see the movie. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. So, so which one will feel better? Would you like to go into the highlights, or would you like to more go into a chronological state of the movie? Do the highlights. Do the okay. highlights. I could I could legitimately write like a twenty page report paper on this. You might okay. as well just go to the highlights. <laughs> okay. So one highlight that I was in uh, that that made me crack me up all the time was Bianca. The sister, how every time through the beginning, all the way through the end, she almost had this kind of, why don't you know, always looking at her stuff? Why don't you just be normal? Why don't you mm-hmm. always have to be like this? Why can't you just, just go along with things and not figure and not knowing all the, the things that happened before until, you know, till later on in the movie about why, she, why her sister the way she is. And and even her sister, um, even Kat having her little tits, I mean, little tidbit, you know, I'm not saying tits like titties. I'm saying tits, tits like, too. I mean, technically she did. <laughs> she does show flash the teacher, yeah, right? Like she, so... she lived, it's, it's not every day oh, someone flashes the teacher to get you out of detention. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. It's actually, um, so let's, let's go like this. Let's go, Danielle. What was your favorite okay. part about? What was one of your favorite highlights you liked in um, 10 Things I Hate About You? Oh, there's so many iconic scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. I I took notes on my phone. <laughs> of them, I love it. I so love I can it. remember because I was like, oh my gosh. Like once I saw it, it was like the whole entire, like my brain was like, I remember this and this is awesome. So um, definitely I would say when he uh, when Heath Ledger, they, they're introducing his character, they're dissecting frogs, and he has this cool knife, and he's switching around the blade of the knife, and he pops it into a frog, and he like looks all bad and evil. Um, I would say that that like vision of him or whatever that moment um, that that picture of him is really hilarious to me, and he's just so smooth and such a bad boy, and all this kind of stuff. So anytime he's doing something badass, like he's like smoking a cigarette, which I mean these days you can't really be doing that, but he'd be smoking it or he'd be doing the knife or he's at the bar, he's playing pool. He just like looks like just so cool. And so I just remember them really like doing all the bad boy stuff that they could do with him, right? He's just like all of those things. So I would say anytime young Heath Ledger looks like he's a just total badass rebel without a cause <laughs> teenager. Um those what I remember always sticking out in my mind. So, um, yeah, hilarious. And yeah. So what about you, Marvin? See, I'm really certain scenes that have music playing behind it stick to me really well. And the two things that drew out a huge highlight for me was the beginning interesting when you see the four girls in the little convertible car and they're mm-hmm. driving yeah. down and I, I can't be, and here's what's so great about it. It's like some, top popular radio hit from the 90s and i'm thinking to myself and i remember like i remember when i rewatched this it's like oh man i love this song this is so great then cat dries up and it's playing joan jets i don't give a damn about my reputation yeah and it was so <laughs> iconic so 90s grunge that it just stuck to me and it's like and it worked so well because it just completely overshadowed those girls and i can't even remember the song now or when um Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character and his friend, they Damn. grab the, the NBA flyers and they throw it down the stairwell. Yeah. And they have a sexy boy playing. Yeah. Those scenes 
are so aesthetically pleasing to me because of the songs they chose, because of how it's shot, that mm-hmm. it just works so well for me, just so well. But if I would have to choose like a scene that like really plays well into how the movie goes and how the play works, it's definitely like as I grew older, what I came to appreciate is when Kat and Bianca finally had this sisterly moment where mm-hmm. they're talking about Joey. And again, like I said, this is why I feel like the movie aged really well. These are all things that anybody can relate to. Like it, mm. this has happened. Like it's happened. Yeah. It's not like it hasn't happened to anyone. Hmm. That's so true. That's such a turning point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that when it comes to teen movies and teen high school movies, there are so many standard tropes, both for for the storylines. And then there's so much in terms of how it's shot, how visually it's done. And this just takes all of those and decides to do them very well. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it embraces the genre um, without parodying it, which I appreciate. You know, it's it's like we're going to be on a full hardcore teen movie. We're going to choose music that appeals to this group. We're going to shoot it with, you know, bright lighting, clear filters, no muddied colors. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you get the prom scene where they're in this very ornate ho- hotel and, you know, she's in this very elegant gown where her sister's in the little hot pink crop top <laughs> and stuff. And I mean, just all the details in, in the set dressing, in the, the costuming, in the way they do the hair, they just decided to give the, the teen rom-com a full hug with this one. And they mm-hmm. did it really well. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Very well said. I completely agree with you. <laughs> yeah, they, they weren't embarrassed by the fact that they're doing the teen rom-com. They're like, we're going and we're going to go hard. They did well, though. Like, they dialed it to 11, but they didn't go completely yeah, but they were, overboard. It wasn't really overboard. It wasn't mocking <laughs> yes. it. Yes. Well, they didn't go that far because it wasn't like not, it wasn't like the not not another team movie where they basically turned that thing up. Right, yeah. we're satire, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they kind of. This was just like we love this this art form, and we're we're gonna go hard on it, and they did. Yeah, the '90s definitely did have like a very heavy '90s to early 2000s had a very heavy teen high school rom com feel to phase going like on like this a was john like hume's film but for the 90s and it aged better than any john hughes film has you, you can't rewatch <laughs> well, those and oh, not get <laughs> well no they did have their own little things they they had the the stoner kids who look right. jamaican and they're I like i love that and yeah. and these guys want to be black but you know they can't be yeah I'm oh man i love that like it, like back to again like i feel like you could just make a drinking game of how many times i say this aged well when he goes we want to talk about black <laughs> literature pieces and they're like yeah man don't even get me started on youtube <laughs> It's <laughs> oh, so great. It's so great. <laughs> and I saw that as kind of the same way they did in Heather's, where you mm-hmm. had the stoner kids and Heather's and they're they're doing the daily poll and you know, the way they captured that. These were the, the stoner kids and like and that's part of that that teen genre is everybody has mm-hmm. their own group and they're defined by the group they're in and their fashion and their politics and everything. Which is kind of being a teenager, like yeah, you have, and I mean, even like, fuck, even back when I was 
in high school, you all had your little groups and where they right. like the stoners hung here mm-hmm. and you had the where everybody kids sits. here and yeah. the jock kids here. Like and they've they've captured that without mocking it. And I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. You know what I thinking about it on it now too, what really like I find so cathartic, not even cathartic, but just so insane now too is I remember what looking at this and just looking at Kat and how she's just talking about, oh, let's just talk about Hemingway where everybody thinks he's a romantic, but in actuality, he's, he's a misogynist, all blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and how everybody blows off all the shit she says and how continually relevant this movie mm-hmm. has become in 2021 and how everybody now talks about this, how we look at right. specific artists like fucking Marilyn Manson. I used to idolize Marilyn Manson as yeah. a teenager. And now, like, all this shit coming out about him being an abuser, a trafficker. Jesus Christ, this this is really hitting home for me. Like, man. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that, too. Like, um, the things that Kat would say or her concerns or her criticisms about society mm-hmm. or gender relations and stuff like that. That stuff has become a lot more mainstream or at least, like, more common, at least so it seems in the younger generation now. Um, whereas back then that wasn't something people were like encouraged to talk about at all. And so it was really rebellious and really wild. And I feel like now it's like, if you're not talking about that, you're not whatever, you know? So I think there's um, been such a shift. And so I would be curious to know how someone who's a teenager now sees this movie because of that. And if they would identify in things in a different way. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not really close to teenagers myself today, so I'm just wouldn't know, but it's just, I'm curious. Um, so any I can yeah. guarantee you right now, just from the hours I've put into TikTok. I'm again, there I must go. say that unashamed to admit this right now. I can guarantee you right now. A bunch of teenagers, if we show them this, they would fucking relate to this so hard. Okay, they're, okay. They're they're, cool. they're trying to like bring back emo and bell bottoms and shit. Like, oh what? they <laughs> oh my god, they would like fucking rage for this shit like so hard. Oh, yes. Okay, I'm for it. I would love that. So, so I looked up, I saw that with Daryl Mitchell, what he was he did he did a little rap with using one of the sonnets yeah. of um uh, he basically used Sonnet one one forty one and made it into a rap. Um, basically, wrapped it, and people and you saw he did an iambic pentameter, mm-hmm. and even before even before the joke of you know um, Cat basically saying I, I love I, I want to do the the thing you you I I really think this is a good idea. What did you think about seeing that? You can actually still you can actually take I've seen, and I've I've seen um uh, a rapper named MC, MC Lars who actually had a TED talk who also did uh, a thing about um um Shakespeare doing sonnets and also doing the pentameter and trying you know doing a lot of um different um versions of simple syllable multiple, multiple syllabism that rap even though it's still you know people look at it in one one scale it actually can be used even for something like this. What do you think what do you think about that being being the that he can rap a rap a poem that's in a sonnet the way it is. Uh, Mar- oh, oh Diane. Well, Danielle. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Okay. I was like not oh, at all. I not at all. Okay. All <laughs> I do is I... just talk. Go for it. I am <laughs> sure everybody's happy to hear someone else besides me talk. <laughs> no worries. No, I I loved it. I I like I said now that I'm an adult looking back like that English teacher 
is my favorite character. But um, I think him taking the well, the character taking on that and making Shakespeare um, sound like something that people would relate to at that time is exactly what they were doing with the movie. So I was like, this is great. This is like this meta um, version of what they're doing with this movie and, and other movies around that time, Room and Juliet, et cetera. And so I felt like, um, you know, it was just a, a beautiful way to kind of show uh, an example of that. And um, the music and the rhythm of that poetry is, is really beautiful and can be really relevant and so on. So uh, I thought it was really effective and, and just, it, you know, it was like a, the way of showing that that's what they're doing with this movie is really bringing this Shakespearean themes and so on into something really relevant. How about you, Auntie Vice? Feel the same way? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. There's been a plenty of rappers who've actually rapped Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. There's actually now a couple that are doing Dr. Seuss, mm-hmm. rapping Dr. Seuss. Okay. Um, it's fun. They're, they're cute. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought that was, you know, well done. It's another way to to relate to kids and you know anybody who knows english teachers are trying always trying to figure out a way to make the work relevant to the students and yeah. you know you can see plenty of teachers trying to pull this off less effectively than he did um <laughs> you know i i'm just cringing thinking of my my former english teachers trying to do this but um <laughs> Wow, they, they try to rap. My AP lit teacher definitely did try to do something. I, yeah, like this. I mean, my 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 AP teachers would have come across like Peggy Hill pulling it off. Um, but I mean, this is done really well. It's cute. It works. Um, and it actually reminded me a lot of uh, Thug Notes. I don't know mm, if you yes, guys. Yeah, yeah, Thug yeah, Notes lo- is the best. Thug I Notes is the loved best. Thug Notes, and it was like Thug Twice Notes crack. is the next step. Oh Wisecrack, if you ever grace us with oh. a stream yeah. or a subscribe, oh. please, please bring back Thug Notes. We need more Thug Notes in our ha- life. I, I go down deep Thug Note holes. And I yeah, think, yeah I've learned much. Also, Jared, I know <laughs> you said... Also, Jared, I know you said you're out. You, you're going to Greener Pastures, but I still love you as a host. Please come back. <laughs> he was the best! Yes. Yeah. So with this one, we we um, finding out about. I, this actually is this is actually a fun fact. Gabriel Union was actually twenty six. Really, the, she was twenty six. Oh, oh wow! Damn, because she looked younger than most of them. Dude, Very young. Yeah. She lo- I was about to make a mention of the, like, in terms of the actors looking their age. Yeah, mm-hmm. they did a really good gap between JGL. His female counterpart looking like they're fresh faced freshmen compared to Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger, who actually legitimately like, look like high school seniors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I take it back. Gabrielle Gabrielle Union is 26 mm-hmm. in this movie. Wow, holy shit! I never would have guessed. I guess that Disney money really does buy you youth. <laughs> like, Damn. like the fountain of youth. <laughs> yeah, like I guess Disney really does give you the youth formula. <laughs> Fuck, man, the mouse, the mouse has his ways. <laughs> so, so, one thing I did like about this was the way that Mike. And I think it's been used a lot. The way Michael explained to Cameron how the school works. All the all the different people. It's like you don't talk to these people. They don't when you say something to them, they won't say nothing to you. Just like you're walking and stuff. And what I think what made this movie more relevant 
and I'm glad those two were in were more involved in it was Cameron and Michael's part because they're the ones that actually pushed the movie along. If they weren't there, I don't think this whole thing could have gone the way it did. It, those two were actually the the main. I, I see them more the main character than Cat and Patrick and even Joey. Because oh, yeah, yeah, because they were the, they were the motivators. They were the ones that are keeping this thing even afloat. Even though even though Cameron liked Bianca. He still he didn't and it didn't it didn't click with him that you know he was trying to help Joey than he was himself. It still mattered on the fact that they're the ones that you know made the plot. They're the ones that brought up the scheme to Joey. They brought up the scheme to Patrick. I mean, Cav was technically not you know basically brought it to Bianca, and everyone kind of worked on together. Even though they need a fun, you know, as as, as a Michael pointed out, we need someone to fund this. Hmm. I think I got somebody. <laughs> and get oh, yeah, yeah. Like, seriously, like, they were literally the butterflies that flapped their wings, caused a fucking hurricane, and pushed the plot forward. Like, oh, yeah. everything they did. Oh, yeah. Literally right. pushed the plot forward. If you took out those two care, or no, no, not even Michael. If you took out Cameron, there would be no plot. Like, it literally, that's how essential his part was to this movie. Well, and that's true to the original play, too. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I mean, he even says, like, very beginning of the line, like, as soon as he gets out of the principal's office, he literally says, I pine, I burn, yeah. I perish. Like, that's yeah. straight line for line yeah. from Taming of the Shrew, apparently. Yeah. Uh, How do you think about the principal, Mrs. Brooks? Oh, she's my favoriteest person in the fucking world. She <laughs> is my favoriteest person in the world. Not because she of her be well, no, it is because of her behavior. Because I, as a grown ass adult in an office job, completely feel that indifference she feels for her job. Well she was writing her own little uh, erotica book as Auntie Vice Again. can for true on that. Yeah. But even when the whole point before Kat was kicked out of her class and she was trying to figure out what to say about a member. And she told the uh, the secretary, um, find out a word like what can be a better word than I think she said gorging or pulsation gorge. Yes. <laughs> she walked away like oh. and then cat comes in and said to yes. And cat comes in and says her, and it's like, oh, interesting. <laughs> okay, honestly, she stole whatever scene she was in, like flat out for me. Every adult, every "Quote unquote authoritative figure in this movie stole the scene for me. The dad, the principal, the Larry English Miller. teacher, they stole every scene. I don't care what you say. They were great. Well, and the dude that played the dad was like the Larry 90s Miller. go-to yes. dad. Yes. Such a <laughs> cliche. So many of those. And he does it so well. Like, yes. Yeah, he, his name is Larry Miller. He, 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 you probably have seen him in, he was in Nutty Professor. He was the dean mm-hmm. in Nutty Professor with uh, Eddie Murphy. And he's been yeah, in he several was, other movies. Yeah. And he's yeah, been he in several other movies. He was a staple of the 90s. Oh, yeah. Staple like, if 90s. you need a 90s dad, he was your go-to. And yes. I mean, part of that was how they were really loving and true to the genre. They're like, let's go with the most 90s teen dad we can find. <laughs> and, you know, he was right there. <laughs> I want you to wear the belly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> unfortunately, this was Stop done. In, <laughs> this was done at Touchstone, and I found that that's actually a Disney, um, a Disney side thing. So it did run in the Disney aspect of parenting movies, where there is no mom and there's all mm-hmm. a dad. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of ran that kind of spectrum. You can look at that with Little Mermaid and a few other movies, and it kind of killed mom. Yeah, 90s America wasn't exactly the kindest to female characters. We didn't get, yeah, nobody got embraced until uh, the mom and the uh, Incredibles. Now they have a mom yeah. that stays around and kicks ass, but, you know. I, I don't know. It was I a felt long like freaky, road to get to her. I felt like Freaky Friday also kind of paved the yeah. way. Oh, yeah. Freaky, freaky Friday, Friday with uh, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis. So- Jamie, Scream Queen and Lindsay Lohan before she went off the rails. Oh, that's, oh, that's a second one. Oh, you didn't see the first one. Yeah, um, there's Haley Mills. Haley Mills. Mills. Yeah. There, what? You didn't see, know it was a remake? remade. That's a remake. No, Freaky no, Friday. Not. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's a remake. Oh. It's a remake. Showing my age right now. Showing my age. Did not know. <laughs> I didn't know that either. <laughs> <laughs> 90s and are like, no, no. Freaky yes. Friday with was, Jamie Lee Curtis is a remake. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Danielle, we're nineties babies. It's okay. All we don't right. need to know yeah. these Pour so, one out for the nineties babies. <laughs> so, Danielle, I think you have make me feel old. You have notes. <laughs> what are on your notes? I am not oh, curious. Oh goodness! I, no, no. You're not the, Give me you're three just, of them. Give me three things on your notes. They were they were lines or images nope. that stood out to me during the movie. So I have so many because it's just, just not iconic. Okay, here three. we go. I'm proud to be a heinous bitch, or she seemed to be proud to be a heinous bitch. Oh, I yeah, love right. that. That was great. Um, another one from her was, I'm not hostile. I'm annoyed. <laughs> Loved that. that was so teenage. So incredible. Um, and, you know, oh, okay. Another one. Um, Bianca is in the room with our friend, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And she goes, like, and he's like, oh, can I see oh, your yeah. room? The room, and yes. What does she say? Well, the black panty. I was gonna say, <laughs> I know you said that Heath Ledger was the hottest character in the movie. In my for, opinion, for me, it was JGL because I've okay. always related to JGL because Aww, he was a coolest halfwit, and then so he cool. goes. And then he goes to Heath Ledger. If it matters, she has black panties. <laughs> this is yeah. something that high school Marvin would have said. This is something fucking idiotic Marvin would have said. What? <laughs> what you? Cute. <laughs> One thing that cracked me up was I actually thought they could have used they could have given uh, Michael the Vespa instead of an actual dirt bike to drive around with, but it still was cool. You know, they use used his own little dirt bike with street tires. And then he drives up to the, the bar with the bike. They go, nice bike. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> and then they're driving away. It was, away kind of best, like, it was it, more it, like it, a little it moped. Supposed to be, it was supposed to be like a moped. But even that whole scene where he jumped off the edge because he basically was going to crash into the car and went over the edge. And he's just basically like, oh, dang, oh, dang. And he gets up. It's like, woo! And they're like, yeah! He's like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he tried to play it off. Like, oh, Man, like, I'm just saying, like, just watching this movie mm. brought back so many terrible and good memories oh, because really? I related to this hard and I was just such an angsty little asshole because there was nothing to be angsty about, but I love this movie. So good. So you said, so, so you're saying that um, grunge was a big thing, but a lot of the songs on this thing was done in ska. So it's yeah, kind of interesting. Was, right. Ska and grunge was like a really big thing in the 90s, like no doubt. Well, I know that. Yeah. In the 90s. But like, I don't know. Like for me, grunge mm-hmm. was really getting big. Like in just like when Nirvana was kind of hitting the scene and they had like, they were like 
for me, they were, I mean, I know hip hop was also coming, like gaining traction in the day, but when, before rock hit its dying breath of popularity. <laughs> nice. Well, it's true. I mean, okay, like look at it this way. Nirvana, Kurt Cobain, who became the voice of a generation, would legitimately get embarrassed when Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses was like, oh man, I really like that band. And he got embarrassed. Like literally it's been documented. He got legitimately embarrassed that a big pro- quote unquote production band was like them because he was so grassroots in his artistry. He's like, no dude, fuck this guy. And they had legitimate beef. They had legitimate beef. I love that. I remember that. <laughs> but yeah, like I was saying, it's just more, a lot of more was um, done to Scott. I mean, even they, even though they had their own little band, the band was actually centralized in the movie and stuff. Mm-hmm. They were both most of that band was doing with Scott. They even had their own, you know, trumpeters and everything. They came around That's a true. lot more. So, but that was their more big thing. Uh, I actually found out another fun fact was Josh Hartman, the one that actually played in O as um Hugo, was him and Ashton Kutcher actually tried to um, audition for the role of Patrick, Heath Ledger's <laughs> character. Oh, thank God they no, here's the thing. I think Ashton Kutcher would have done well in that. Like, I legitimately do. I mean, uh, here's the thing. Heath Ledger's character kind of made it. Like, there was something about mm-hmm. Heath Ledger's yeah. stare, his silent stare that made it work. I think Ash could, Ashton Kutcher probably could have made it work in his own way. It would have very different. Yeah. yeah, Josh Harnett, after watching, oh, nah, I can't. No, no, just no. <laughs> I can't. I've seen him in Black Hawk Down. I've seen him in Plenty Dreadful. I've seen him in Oh Now. I just can't. No. It's just a hard no. See, and I just see Ashton Kutcher doing it like it would be like Keanu. Yeah. Reeves in it. It's just he doesn't have the same presence or reach on the screen that he right. yeah. does. Like and that it would have turned it, I think, more into a parody. Yeah, really? I agree. Now, here's the question I have to ask both of you. Like, purely because I'm looking at Heath Ledger through the eyes of a male who just kind of goes, yeah, I could see that. He does have this smoldering look to him. Now, is it because of the accent? Is it because of the look? Or, like, what is it? I really think it's his acting. Ledger steals yeah. the scene in so many movies he does. Um, and Ashton Kutcher can never have been said to steal a scene. Like That's true. Not- Never gonna say that about him. It's just like saying, you know, Keanu Reeves has depth. It's just not gonna be a sentence that's ever uttered. <laughs> what are you okay, say, I see your point. What are you gonna say, Daniel? I, okay, Heath Ledger, this his smile, which sounds funny because now you know, of course, later in his career, he was being the Joker, but like his smile, oh my gosh, like whoo, gives me the butterflies in my tummy to watch it to this day. <laughs> he has this wonderful like sense of presence. He so seems so comfortable with himself. And he can just turn turn on the the charm or turn mm-hmm. on the whatever and show. And also, just he seems like he's just legitimately smiling too in the movie. And I just remember that always standing out to me, and it stood out to me again. And so it was just the way that he was able to like just seem so comfortable, confident, and willing to just like express himself and smile and not have to be like Ugh, all the time. He smiled a lot in that movie oh, yeah. and and really balanced out his character a lot, made him a lot more like lovable and believable. Um, I felt like that was a really important factor that he was able to really put that out there um, because of how he's like, such a good actor. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm glad true. they left. You're right. Dude, where's my car to, to Ashton Kutcher? There you go. Yeah, very appropriate choice on that one. Dude, where's well, my car is a very culturally stoner movie. Okay. It, <laughs> it, it's paved the way for a lot of stoner movies these Wait. days. Don't even give me that. Is it important to the stoner community? <laughs> it is. I say this as a stoner myself right now. Well, we can see that, you know, Ash, that, you know even though Ash Kutcher had Where's My Car, Heath Ledger did have Nice Tale. Oh my god, so I, I love that. Oh my god, I forgot that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so you did kind of go on that same thought process. Well, okay, <laughs> I will say this. As a male who is comfortable in his own sexuality, <laughs> okay. I'd give it up for Heath Ledger. I'd give it up for Heath okay. Ledger. Okay. Like, there's Go something ahead. about those eyes. Like when Julia Stiles is like, there's a bit of green in your eyes. There is a bit of green in his eyes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so another fun fact of this movie was the character of Bian- Bianca Actually, revealed to um to Cat um Julia Styles that she want that she basically told suggested that he sing the song I can't I can't keep my eyes off you off you instead because they were going to go he was going to go sing the original uh, I think I love you from the Partridge Family so oh. how, do you think that would have been a good call to change I mean I know the way the song played out but what do you think would have been a good call if he played I think I love you Instead of, I keep putting my eyes off you. I like the I can't keep my eyes off you because it's just so much more like theatrical and like mm-hmm. um, performancey to me. And so I think it just matched the grandstanding, whatever he was trying to do right. to get the attention. So I felt like it was a good choice. I think right. I think you're about to say something too. Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I think either would have worked, um, you know, and this one, it was well done and but yeah i think he could have pulled off either he could have i think for me again back to what i said previously about aesthetics and certain music choices mm-hmm. this works better for me there's something to be said about saying i love you and then verbally saying you're just so great that i cannot look at anything else anybody can just say i love you but to say that you are the only thing that captures my attention at the moment does go a long way. Yeah. Okay. I see that. So the table dance scene that Julia Styles did, that actually <laughs> yes, the table dance <laughs> too, scene. Too biggie. That too party. biggie. <laughs> so, 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 you do, so you do know that a lot of these movies, and I they think they showed that at the end, a lot of these movies when they, when they actually record the movie, there is no sound. These black actors fake the dancing and stuff. Mm, okay. So, and then they, then they later on they'll put a music choice in. But they said that actually that act, that table dancing ultimately led her to the lead, the leading cast of Save the Last Dance. I loved that movie, Save the Last Dance, <laughs> and I was going to ask you if, if the, those were connected because I was like, yes, she's yes. dancing. She, yes. I know she was in that dancing movie, and that they saw her skills clearly. They saw her skills, I guess, in that scene. <laughs> Man, this scene, I don't know. Like, there, here's the thing. It made sense to me. The only re- issue I have with it, though, is right now, they played it juicy. And they could have picked any song, but they picked juicy, and it didn't feel relevant for me. Why? Okay, Sharon is laughing because he asked me the same thing from our previous episode yeah. when with oh when they were playing Equimini during the sex scene. And, yes. he, and, it, I, and he was going, but it's a weird song to play during sex. And I was saying... But Aquemini is about, or Andre's 3000s verse was about how 
nothing is for certain and everything can be fickle. And in O, that was exactly like given the context, the movie, the scene, it was fitting. Juicy, literally Biggie is showing off his little lyrical skills and fucking bodying almost everyone in the 90s. It feels weird to play that song when Julia Stiles is just essentially freak dancing and gyrating. <laughs> but but think about this one thing, the, the Juicy song, this is actually like four, this is actually technically five five years um after, you know, this is like five years after the, um, the deaths, or three years after the deaths of Biggie and also Tupac. So, because they died mm-hmm. in 96, 97. So, it's actually two, three years before that. You're, right, you're so. right. But it's a braggadocious rap song. Literally, right. man is saying he was still smooth while in underoos. Right. That right. is not a good club hit. I mean, it, no, well, no, no. That, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, well, my bad. That, that wasn't juicy. Was hypnotized. Oh no, no, that was hypnotized. Hypnotized. That was hypnotized. Yes. Why am I thinking juicy? <laughs> I told him that. I just heard. I was like, no, it's hypnotized. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, you're right. You're right. I mistook it. it it's just, I, I don't know. I still feel like it's just like it was not the right song though. What would you have put in? That's what I'm saying. What would you put hmm. in at that time? At that time, 1999. Let me think. Let me. Think. Or earlier. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you think about why I throw this one. Oh, man. Don't do this to me. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> well, I know you're thinking about it for a while. So during the, the, during the 10-year anniversary, the commentary, um, Heath Ledger and Julie Stiles actually, actually admitted that they actually had a date. They were dating during the filming, but they also, but they also broke up in January 2000. So, so there was, you know, there actually was, a lot of times there's actually a little chemistry that always comes out of this film. Uh, these filmings and stuff. I mean, look at, you know, um, Jennifer, uh, not Jennifer Lopez. And uh, I think she went out with Vince Vaughn. And then she went out with them freaking, uh, what's his name? Old boy from um, Argo. Uh, plays Batman before, I forgot his Christian name. Christian Bale? No, not Christian. No, no, Christian, no. Um, yeah. Michael Keaton. Not Michael Keaton. Later Batman. Uh, old boy. Must. God, dog. <laughs> he played the accountant. He's from Boston. He was on the he was on um not Deadpool side. He was on Goodwill Hunting with Matt Damon. Who's the other guy? Uh, ben, ben Affleck. Affleck. There we go. <laughs> uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh. go No, nope, Ben Affleck would never be Batman. No, he could be Batman. Like he, he was favorite. Batman. He He's was, not- but we don't like to remember that. No, 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 no. We don't like to remember Jared Leto as Joker. Ben Affleck oh, no. as Batman works. Okay. I feel like Ben Affleck as Batman works. Jared Leto as Joker does not work. What are you talking about? He was Batman. <laughs> We're gonna go. Not, off that. No, 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 no. He right can now. be Batman, but he. I'm saying he just he works, but Jared Leto can play Joker, but he doesn't work well as a Joker. Really had to go on that tangent too. Okay, great. Well, the Joker connects back to Heath Ledger, which connects back to ten things. Yeah. That yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Uh, now yeah. that we're gonna bring back to the songs, <laughs> the thong song. That was playing everywhere in the 90s. Don't even it give me that. Oh. If I, they get to play that in the I'll Nutty the Professor, oh, oh, okay, I can, I can they that. get to play that, that in the Yeah, I can see that now. I can see that. Minavita Loca. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. But it still would have been per- terrible for this movie, though. I will admit that. Truly. So, um, so it says here, uh, we found out here on the the credits in the credits the band the band was their name was called Letters of Cleo was performed performed on the roof well according to the lead the lead singer 
it cost five hundred thousand dollars every time the helicopter took off. Just so the band had to basically play very fast. They had to get they had to get it right fast one time. It cost five thousand dollars for the helicopter to take off and watch, and basically go around and taking video of them before they go off. Wait, what are you so funny? What's so funny? <laughs> What's so funny? I forgot how big the rom com industry was in the nineties. That's right. Uh-huh. They're like, it's worth it. We need this. It's let's, just let's do it's, this. it's it's not that it's the, the it's, it's not that it was because the helicopter cost five thousand dollars. It's because, dude, it was a big industry in the yeah. Holly in Hollywood back in the day. Like, and you're not gonna see that much for produ- i mean you probably still do but it's mm-hmm. not a rom-com a high school rom-com anymore it's a now a high school drama but like high school rom-coms were a big thing back in the 90s and the early 2000s i mean fuck like literally so i'm putting yeah like i'm putting like 10 things i hate about you on my top five high school dra- rom-coms right now nice <laughs> i legitimately do did you not hear me in the introduction just gushing about this did you not hear me gushing about this right now like oh so, so the actual red, um, the red car that um, that um, cat drove was actually it was it's, it's called a Dodge Dart. It actually was Heath Ledger's actual car. What? Wow! And the funny part, I think now I think about it, that remember there's one part where Joy where Joy drove up in his I think it was like the Transit whatever a sports car. And he basically blocked in Cat. And Cat, you know, basically saw, it's just like, hey, I was getting out. He started soap. And he kept on walking. And Cat actually had to ram the car into Joey's car. <laughs> <laughs> so you think about it, it's like somebody had to basically go ahead and say, uh, so we're going to hitch, we're going to use your car to hit his car. <laughs> Are you cool with that? <laughs> He's like, <laughs> Go ahead. Anything for the craft. Yeah. The, and, you know, probably because it's the first move. Like, anything for the move, man. Go ahead. Let's do right. it. Let's do it. So, so yeah. You got to um, admire Heath Ledger for being that dedicated, though. Like, do I? He was a dedicated method actor. Look, we, we, back in the day, I don't think anybody really thought about it. And then he played in that one. No, Brokeback Mountain was a really big movie for him, too. But. He played in only two movies where people have recognized him as a breakout performance, like legitimate breakout performance. But prior to everything else, no one really thought too much about that. Like he didn't have that Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. Recognition. So, so I can see that. So here's three things I found out. So the, this one scene where, um, where Heath Ledger is playing with the fire as he has, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, he actually improvised the Bunsen burner on the Bunsen button. He actually improvised that. It. Works that worked that actually worked. <laughs> totally yeah. fit his character. I, I feel like it. the little drill bit scene also worked when he just drilled into it. <laughs> 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 like, yeah. uh, another thing is the um, the screenwriters of this move of this movie they actually later on will write legally blonde. Okay, oh, also a solid movie. Mm. Oh my goodness! And the last one was. So Joey, um, Andrew Ke- um, Keegan, didn't know how to draw genitals. So Michael, <laughs> Dan- Daniel, um, David, um, Michael, the guy played Michael, actually taught him how to draw genitals <laughs> on his face. 
Wow. <laughs> wow. So he did. So yeah, that was a thing. So he had to like outline it on his cheek, like just follow. Just it's just it. literally the number eight, a tube, and then the letter D with a line in the middle. How hard is that? And you yeah. could have tutored him on set, you know? Like, you <laughs> this is how you draw it. So you got to draw that same thing on my face. Okay. This is how you finesse a dude to pay you more for your role <laughs> by teaching him how to draw a penis on your like literally your jawline. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's just an eight. Then you put lines on each circle of the eight and then you put a D and then in the middle of the curve of the D, you just put another line. Well, you think about it, you also had to put in little hairs too. So so with it reminds the- me of these like videos I've seen where somebody starts out by drawing like the shape of a penis and then they make it into like an animal or they make it into like something totally not penis. I feel like that. that scene had to be done so many times because like I, I knowing myself, I would not be able to like do that Hold scene with a straight face. I would just <laughs> midway through just so? laugh. I just I would. <laughs> so, Avid, so out of the all, this movie did have um, a lot. Of, uh, a couple of the characters, couple of the people, actually went on, including the director, actually went on to do the episode, the short-lived TV show of Ten Things I Hate About You. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry Miro did, re- did replay as part of the dad of the characters, and also the director actually um, directed. The, the actual um, TV show. Uh, the director has also done some other lousy ones, but, you know, hey, we can't all be good. <laughs> I look at, at some of those stuff. I was like, ooh, that's... He, he actually did Hot, for, Hot in Cleveland. He actually did the, the, the last um, um, TV show that um, uh, what's her, uh, Betty White was in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. So... So yeah, he's he's done some work and stuff. So, oh no, um, what do you think? Okay, so they did a re, re they did a reinterpretation of ten things I did um, the poem ten things I hate about you. What do you think about that poem that um cat did at the end? It was a better reinterpretation than Mulan from Disney. Wow. There you go. I will go to what my grave. I will go to my grave still angry about this fucking movie. Is it because it's this this is done by Disney? Is that, is that, is that why you... Uh, yeah, oh, so fucking course it is. Okay, God. <laughs> and y'all thought you could go through one entire episode without me being Danielle, big mad of, about it. What do you think about the poem? What did I think about her poem? I think it was heartfelt and, you know, it clearly conveyed her emotional state. The content and and the writing itself very poor, very teenage, very angsty. But it fits. I think it fits so well with her her emotional state, her character, and the situation. And so, um, for those reasons, you know, yeah, it definitely did fit. It's definitely um, iconic. It's something that if you see like a picture of Julia Stiles like holding his paper and crying, you're like, that's that part from that movie. Like it just. It has it is in our collective memory uh, because it was so not because of the words themselves, but the way she said them in the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, with this with this in mind, we basically always say, so we're getting ready to change over it and go 
into our snap judgment. So in our snap judgment, we basically come together and basically judge the movie in the, the three parts. Three snaps. This movie gets all the praises. It should get awards and everything. Two snaps. It's not that bad, but it's not that good. One snap. This movie should go to detention just like Cat did and basically talk to the teacher and try to figure <laughs> out what the what other words can you use for engorged. <laughs> we do it in now quarter snaps. You're welcome, people. So with the quarter snaps, what, what is it? Okay, so. Quarter, half, whole. Qu- qu- which one? Quarter? Quarter, quarter, quarter half, 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 whole. Okay. Yeah. Yes. We don't have a three-fourths. I'm not going to make one up, but it's in there. Just go with it. So we will count the three. Close your eyes, everyone, and then throw your number four. Ten things I hate about you. Here we go. One. Two. Three. All right, let's see. Right. Okay, we can open up our eyes. Look at our eyes. Open okay. up. Both what I really mean is a three. Am I doing that right? Two and a half? Okay. What I really mean is a three. What I really mean is a three. This is half. This is half. Oh, that's right. Okay, two and a half. So two and a half. Okay, two and a half. Three. What? Okay, so Marvin gives a three. Monty Bice? 2.5. Two po- okay, two, two and a half. And also two and a half. And I also give it to that. So we got three two and a half and one three. Marvin, why do you give it a three? I'm just looking through this movie through rose color lenses. I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It's nostalgia? Like, oh, it's <laughs> crazy nostalgia. I mean, okay, look, I still do obviously we all agree the movie's great. Okay. But I feel like an extra point's added on my part just because I watched this when I was a kid. And this played not I don't think it played a huge role in my life, but there was like a point of it where it did affect a small portion of my, the out, my outlook in life growing up. Okay. 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 Danielle, why didn't you give 2.5? I can totally relate to what Marvin just shared and I agree, but I, I didn't give it the full three because, you know, there are some things that are kind of on the nose. There are a lot of little moments that are kind of awkward. You can tell that the actors are kind of young and kind of there's not a, you know they're, they're building their skills and this so, is blasphemy. Um, this is blasphemy coming from a ninety. This is blasphemy coming from a nineties baby. How dare you? How dare you? I know. I feel. This I feel is blasphemy. Wrong. I feel wrong to say it. But you know, I Heath just, I Ledger is rolling in his grave right now. Oh, don't say that. Wow. <laughs> it would, if at all, it would be over ten things I about you, not about any of the other iconic <laughs> roles, right? Yeah. Fair enough. But you know, this is his first American movie, so. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, absolutely have the love and nostalgia for this movie. So, Auntie Vice, why did you give it two point five? It is. It's a great example of the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not. There's no real depth or you know uh gravitas to it or anything but they really did embrace what they were doing they did it very well so they get a solid 2.5 hmm okay uh video is 
clocking out. Driving this thing's killing me. So uh, did you why, give it a two point five? Sure. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna, <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm judging you hard on this. I'm judging all of you hard on this. Get ready. So, <laughs> so the reason so unfortunately, the reason why I gave it a two point five is because I, I lived in I lived I was already beyond beyond age of high school after this time and stuff, basically five years after. So it it did it did show some nostalgia of some of the old John Hughes movies and stuff, but it, it was it was campy. It was a little campy, even for even for something of even for something of um it being like um being an adaptation of a, a, a Shakespeare movie, a Shakespeare film or a Shakespeare um play. This was basically they were, they were trying for the campiness, and fortunately, this is a Disney. This is there's a Disney moniker movie, even though it's Touchstone. It is under Disney moniker. Disney it did play into all the Disney-esque mm-hmm. ideals. Basically, the executive could have been the Disney executive could have been right there and going, okay, you can make this movie, but it has to still be Disney. Okay, cool. Don't make <laughs> so, the mouse mad. Yeah, don't make the <laughs> mouse mad. <laughs> Basically. That's kind of true. So I feel that this movie itself did play into those little those little things. But out of it all, I give it a 2.5 because it did bring a lot of people out and it did keep with some of, they did keep a lot of the little things to touch on the sonnet, the poems, a few of the lines from, from the play were thrown in there. So they still kept on with the, the whole theme of, um, of Tame of the Shrew. That said, them making a, them making a TV show F, uh, uh, rendition of this one. Oh, good God. Really? Why? Okay, Why? still probably better than Mulan. Still probably better than Mulan. <laughs> it's okay. Speaking of which, so, so out of that, 2. Uh, 2.5, 2.5, 2.5, 3, 10.5 is the snaps that this movie gives it. Out of 12. Out of 12. So, not bad. Respectable school. Anybody, so, <laughs> So, any last words about this movie? Which, okay, hold on. would you give this movie to a poet or a non-poet or both? Both. Both. I give it both. Yeah. Yeah. Both. Both. both? I, okay. I think it would go for both. I think this in the previous conversation we were having about that English teacher, this mm-hmm. is a great way to introduce people to Shakespeare. Okay. Yeah. Any other thoughts about it? Okay. I agree. I think there's a yeah, there's it's fun. There's like the emotional, like teenage experience that people can relate to. So I like it. I think I think a lot of people would like it. So Danielle, what other notes did you have on your give us two more um quotes you had on your notes? Okay, let me pull my notes. Uh, um here comes the mewling Rampalian wretch herself. Um that's right. <laughs> Again, solid uh, Shakespeare reference. And also speaking of Shakespeare, when her Bianca's friend said, or not Bianca's friend, Kat's friend says that she and William Shakespeare are involved. And she says oh, that was in a great. provocative way. <laughs> she's, she's very into Shakespeare. And I thought that was very silly. And, and I actually, actually enjoyed sweet. the wardrobe. They both hit her Thank and like That was great. Very that cute. Was <laughs> See, for me, for me, what did it was the shitteth. 
has hitteth the fan. The fan. <laughs> yeah, the fan. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like I have to add the th at the end to make it Shakespearean. <laughs> Anything else on a device that caught your attention? I just thought it was a fun movie. And again, the English teacher and uh, Alice and Janney made it for me. Oh, I fucking love Brooke. Alice and Janney. <laughs> yes. I do. Really I want to meet her one day. She, I am I'm a huge <laughs> fan of hers. Well, okay. She's a, she's older now, so yes, that kind of changed a lot of things. But I think uh, being Larry Miller would be so funny. So am I. <laughs> All right. And that, my friends, was... The movie, 10 Things I Hate About You. We give it a 10.5 snaps. And pretty good out of 12. I give it that much. If you see, we have a lot of things. If you have any other information or stuff, put in the comments or put it on the put on the web and let us know. But to find out about our people that are on this, Marvin. Give the people your social media or your uh, um, Instagram for them yeah. to check you out. You can find me on IG as StarvinMarvin09. Auntie Vice? I'm at Auntie Vice on most social media. My website is AuntieVice.com. And you can find me on May 22nd at 1 p.m. with Blackthorn Dungeon, teaching in sickness and in health how to love a partner with chronic illness. That's Blackthorn.org. Danielle. Yeah, I'm on Instagram at Diva Mets. So love a follow. <laughs> and the Mets is spelled M E T Z. Yes. Can't put my whole last name on there. It's just really? too long. No, yeah, <laughs> we don't need to. And you can find you can find me on I am Big Zine. That's I M B I C Z I N E. I want to thank. Danielle, for coming once again to do this movie for us. Once again, I know she was totally amped about it when I told her. And she the first thing she said, I love that movie. So <laughs> it's true. So bringing Danielle. It's a true pleasure. Yes, a true, thank you. True, thank you for coming, Danielle. And thank you from my to my hosts, my co-hosts, Marvin and Auntie Vice. I am Sharon Smith. These are my two popcorn snatches. Thank you, Danielle. And we'll see you. The next movie will be on. You know what? I'm going to be a surprise. Okay. It's going to be either Hamlet or Romeo and Juliet. I mean, it could technically be Hamlet. I'm okay with seeing Julia Stiles for a third week. We could just keep doing the. That's what I'm saying. Do the Julia Stiles thing. Well, that's her last last movie where it's like a Shakespearean-based thing anyways. We'll, we'll, gotta we'll finish play. off the, the trilogy then. Yeah, you gotta finish off the trilogy. <laughs> I mean, trilogy. but you know what they say: the sequel is always the best. And uh, ten things I hate about you was definitely the best. Yeah, that's so, the piece. So, so would you have wanted a ten, ten things I hate about you or, or eleven things I hate about you movie? No, see, sometimes you gotta know when to end it strong, and they definitely yeah. knew how to end it strong. And on a I mean, high not note. really. They, apparently, they made a TV show. Yes. <laughs> so go mouse. <laughs> and we'll end off with that. No more Mulan jokes. Okay. Peace. <laughs> Screw you, Mulan. <laughs> ah.